0: Well, well, well. It's been a while, young Kaplan.
1: Andy, how we doing, buddy? Very
0: good. I'm very stoked for uh, Saturday at UFC 247. Two title fights. So, I don't know. Let's get started. What's your What's your feel for uh, this Saturday?
1: All right. You're throwing me off into the deep end right away. I, so, have to. I uh, have We got to. John Jones and Reyes, and then we have Shevchenko.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Chef opponent slips my mind. I feel stupid.
0: That it's uh, Caitlyn Chikugi, and she or Ch- uh, Ah, yes,
1: the uh, the New York native. Um, well, interesting, interesting, interesting weekend. I mean, I was reviewing Dominic Reyes's record recently, and you know, I was a little bit shocked actually. In hindsight, seeing that he got the title shot after beating Chris Weidman. I mean, Chris Weidman is a name after the whole Anderson Silva saga, but it's kind of safe to say that like his career has been on the decline since, unfortunately, and it sucks for me to even say because I've always been supportive of Chris Weidman's career. Um, but you know, I'm certainly not counting out Dominic Reyes. He certainly has been a dominant fighter uh, in his performances. However, you know, I do look at the resume in terms of who he has. And the biggest names that stick out for me are Jared Cannonier and uh, Ojdemir. Ojdemir, however, though, he did go to a split decision against. So, you know, kind of makes things difficult in terms of how the fight will unfold. Um, John Jones is the best fighter in the UFC. There is no doubt about that. Pound for pound, he is number one. Uh, I do believe that he'd be highly successful at heavyweight as well. However, you know, in some of his performances, besides that Alexander Gustafson one, he has had a little bit of trouble with some of his opponents lately. And I don't really at- attribute that to John Jones declining. I attribute it to the division doing their homework on their champion. And, you know, I kind of look at it like George St. Pierre. You look at George St. Pierre's resume and he fought some of the tough of, toughest guys and he made it look easy. And now you've got a guy like John Jones who was making it look easy and now he's having a little bit of a harder time, although still remaining dominant. Do you see what I'm trying to say?
0: Yeah, you know, he's in that. It's like, every, it's like there's so much footage out there because it's like – and now the light heavyweight division has had uh, – an influx of young talent, whereas the the old guard has basically left to to like other promotions, retirement, and these new guys are, it tall, if not a bit taller, and have like and have like some acumen, whether it's grappling or or striking. In this case, Dom is striking, and in Tiago, we saw a well-rounded fighter, actual a well-rounded uh, practitioner in both striking and grappling. That surprisingly, John didn't grapple with for whatever reason
1: well not only that though uh tiago santos also didn't he tear both of his knees out
0: he tore both of his knees out like at one point when i was watching the fight on fight pass again because whenever jones fights it's like i go on this like uh like this history tour of like all his past fights and i try to break down like where he went uh, what how he like took apart his opponent, and yeah, there was luck on his side there, where both of Thiago's knees blew out—not just one, but two—which is is like it. You can't explain it. It's like bad luck. Go- it's like bad luck coming on the worst night ever.
1: I completely agree. I mean, obviously, tearing one knee is already hard enough, and then you tear both of them. And then I guess what was most surprising about it was is that John Jones wasn't able to necessarily dominate uh for the remainder of the fight so the way you know the way i see this fight going is is that i i do think that because dominic reyes is a bigger fighter than maybe john jones you know john jones is used to being the bigger guy i do think that this will cause a little bit of a discrepancy nonetheless i do see john jones taking this fight into the later rounds and a guy like dominic reyes who hasn't been in those championship rounds and also, his last fight, you know, against uh, Weidman was a TKL. I don't, I don't know really how he's going to fare in those later rounds. And John Jones has relishes in those championship rounds. He, he's a good championship round nice. fighter. So, you know, I think that John Jones has a, a, a continuing chip on his shoulder by the way he's viewed and perceived in the UFC. And the only way that John Jones can ever justify his career is through the things that he does in the Octagon. And that's going to shine through on Saturday night. I'm riding with John Jones. I think that he's the best fighter in the UFC. Um, and I think what's great about John Jones fighting in the UFC is that I think that because he takes those hiatuses, it's not that people forget about him, but, you know, there's always like that, "Oh shit, John Jones is fighting this weekend." Like, "Fuck, yeah, the best guy in the UFC." You know, it doesn't have exactly the same buzz as a McGregor fight. However, it has a different type of buzz because John Jones is uh, John Jones is a hardcore fans type of guy. You know, exactly. Although he's had the big sponsorships with Nike and Gatorade and had the big deals and this and that, he's not as mainstream as a Conor McGregor. He's not as mainstream as like a Ronda Rousey was, or whatever the case may be, or a Brock Lesnar. So I do think that I do think that this is, again, another moment for John Jones to shine in his career. And, you know, I, I watched a little bit of the SBN interview. To be honest, I found Ariel Helwani followed a little bit of a similar script that he did with McGregor, which kind of turned me off because it's like, let's make it about the fighting already. How many times are we going to rebring this up that John Jones's career has been screwed up? Yeah. Like let the man fight. Like, you know, I think that's why John. Hmm? Exactly. And I mean, listen, McGregor had a bad year, you know, he had a bad year in terms of how much he uh, made mistakes with the law and in social issues and whatever it is. I don't, I don't recall John Jones causing any trouble over the last year or two. Am I wrong? Yeah, You're not wrong at all. Like, look, don't get me wrong. The things are in the
0: past and you know, why are we bringing up something that happened four years ago? Like John, has said he settled like you know he said that he's moved past it he atoned for his mistakes you know he went to schools to talk about the dangers of drunk driving which Ariel interviewed him on and I agree with you it doesn't make sense to like bring this man's past up like this man openly acknowledges he made a mistake and that he's atoned for it and I felt like I saw a bit of an annoyance on John's face like he was like "You couldn't he's not going to show it but like when he's in, well, he's not going to show you, but he was playing this guarded face with like that. When he had that smile, when I looked at his smile on those questions, yes. answering those questions, you could tell he was kind of saying, "Are we going to continue like bringing this up every time?" Right.
1: Yes. That okay. I see what you're saying. Another thing too is is that I take that smile or smirk in another direction. I, I, you know, I was listening to what was coming out of John Jones's mouth, and I just wish that he would cut that shtick and he would just play the bad guy. I
0: know. know what you mean. Just be like that guy like like for example when we saw him at the at the UFC 210 conference when DC said he wants John after beating Rumble when John said like I he's like he's like he's like I beat you after a night of cocaine which is a uh, viral it it became a viral uh soundbite. You know that's the John I think you want to see. That's the John I want to see, not this, you know, I'm a father, I'm a good Christian, this and that.
1: Absolutely. But you know what? That's what comes with the with with the sport becoming mainstream, you know, heading in the direction of ESPN. They want to see things like this. They want to humanize fighters. They want to clean up the image a bit more. And I understand that. And people do mature also. However, that smile does tell me that there are a lot of uh, that. There's a completely different dialogue happening when the camera is not on them. And that's completely normal. I think that I would be the exact same way a professional in front of the camera, and besides that, um, you know, talk my shit on the side, or whatever the case may be. But I'm, uh, to wrap it up, I'm, I'm riding with John Jones. I think that the attributes, the height, and a little bit maybe of that young up and coming swag of Dominic Reyes will fluster maybe John Jones in the first round. I, I maybe see that first round going like it did with OSP, where there was absolutely no action whatsoever. and then Jones just took the other four rounds and and pieced them apart and 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 that was it. It wasn't necessarily an exciting and ass-kicking performance, but it it was it was it was precise. So I'm riding with John Jones and uh I I don't think that this is Reyes's time yet. And you know, listen, what I have to say about Shevchenko, it's not really that much. I mean, listen, I'm sure Chu Kagan is going to come in there. And and put up a fight, but I think that Shevchenko is dominant. Um, her striking is world class. She spends a lot of time on her round game. She's proven that she's well rounded. And I'm I'm going to go ahead and 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 call this 50 45 for Shevchenko. And that's that's basically all I have to say. I think that the Muay Thai is the Muay Thai experience is too much. And you know if Chukagan wants to clinch, that's great for Shevchenko. And if she wants to take it to the ground, the ground game is adamant enough. I mean, Shevchenko is not the type of fighter where she ignores a certain discipline. No, she's world class. She's she's she's
0: world class. She has. She's got a third. She's like, I looked up uh, Shevchenko's background. She's got a second Dan in Taekwondo and then put that into Muay Thai, which as you said, her Muay Thai, it's like a different level. It's like there's levels to this game. It's like Khabib's wrestling is world class. Well, Shevchenko's Muay Thai is world-class, and you're not going to—unless uh, your name's Amanda Nunez, I don't see any other female really giving Valentina like uh, a hard time. And her ground game is adamant. She's got a black belt in judo, but she trains in BJJ and other forms of grappling. So it just shows you she's an open-minded fighter. She's like a, GS, a female GSP, I like to say. I don't like to throw that tag lightly because you know she hasn't defended— uh, her title enough times, and, you know, everyone's going to, the, the like, some fans will say, well, GSP fought killers, and, you know, in the men's division, and, you know, Shevchenko doesn't have really that many hard opponents, but, I mean, she's defending her title, she has a toolbox that is so versatile that you can't deny it that she's going to dominate that 125 division for the next while.
1: Yeah, I would say so. I think that unless somebody moves up from uh, 115 or somebody moves down from 125, I think that that might be uh, Shevchenko's title. And I mean, listen, we've seen this before. We've seen this in the UFC flyweight division. We've seen this in the strawweight division. We've seen this in the bantamweight division for the women's. Um, we even saw it for the men's at one point when guys like Hennan Burrell, Ronda Rousey, uh, Demetrius Johnson, uh, Joanna Young-Jacek, all these people who were champions were fighting people that they didn't believe were adequate enough to be contenders. And we watched those pay-per-views. So, you know, this is basically what I chalk this one up to. I think that uh, Reyes is more of a dog than Chukagan is, but that's also because of the factor of the weight. When you're 205 pounds and you land a punch, there's a higher chance that somebody's going to sleep than when when – two 125ers hit each other that's that's just the name of the game so you know already alone like John Jones could be a huge favorite but because the weight is heavier there's more risk the margin for error is extremely small for John and you know
0: there's one thing I didn't want to add to like my point about John you know he got his purple belt in bjj that's a big accomplishment and you know whenever you get a belt in a certain discipline, like especially traditional martial arts or especially BJJ of that level, that's a confidence booster heading in. And I'm not saying Dom's going to like, is go, I'm not saying Dom will have, will have a a hard time, but just the timing of it is giving John that confidence and the way he's studying it. Like this is a different John now that is like really taking it seriously. I think he's realized that, He, he, his, like, his, his artwork, his his, his, what's the word I'm looking for? His stardom is in the octagon, not what he does outside. If he does charity work, that's great, you know, that just helps, you know, show him that, you know, he's trying to be a community guy and help those that, uh, that can't help themselves or are less fortunate, but. As I was saying, you know, the, just the timing of a lot of st- things are pretty crazy. Would it surprise you if he wins? You know, I see John winning too with the in a round five, to in a in a five round uh, in a five rounder. Do you think he makes the announcement he's going to heavyweight, or do you think he's going to keep us guessing? What do you think uh, his, uh, his his like post octagon interview will be?
1: I don't think that he uh, moves up to heavyweight. Uh, And if he does, I don't think that he makes an announcement about it right after, um, right after uh, this win. First of all, Stipe's hurt right now. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of, you know, still some unfinished business between Stipe and Daniel Cormier that I'm far more interested in seeing right now, because I think that Already alone, Stipe and and Daniel Cormier having a little bit of a saga towards the end of DC's career is the best thing that could have happened to him after losing to John Jones because it kind of takes him out of that realm of having to think that he needs to fight John Jones. Exactly, and even John said that he's put aside his beef with DC. Like he said, yeah, he exactly, exactly. So you know, to circle back, like I don't really think that Jones has to move up to heavyweight. I mean, also you have heard rumblings of Anthony Johnson coming back in the heavyweight. <laughs> There's no reason that John Jones has to fight a guy like rumble at two at 260 pounds. He should make rumble suck down to two Oh five. So like, I'm kind of thinking about it and I don't really see a reason why Jones has to move up right now. And I think that he's going to stay at light heavyweight. I'm not really sure who's next in line. If it's not uh, Dominic Reyes, uh, and you know, I think that I think that Jared Cannonier was one of his more impressive wins, by the way. And I think he fights at middleweight now.
0: Yeah, he does. And oh, he also—I also forgot to tell you Reyes did fight OSP on that Conor Khabib card, and he beat OSP in the last second. But it was an OSP that was on the on the downtrend. You know, like OSP's not even ranked anymore. He's he's out of the top ten rankings, and right. it, that's just the way light heavyweight works. It's it's a weird. I, I always said it like I always said it like uh, I've said it to you and uh, our friend Mike that the 185 and the 205 divisions are kind of like the redheaded stepchildren of the UFC since uh, the since I would say after GSP went on his hiatus. But even before that, there's always been some issues with that, with that, with those divisions. Uh, there was a time where when we got into the sport, you had Chuck Liddell lost the belt. Rampage defended it once and then lost it. Then it went to Rashad. Then it went to Lyoto. Then it went to Shogun. And then... It, no, no, actually, I stand corrected. First it was uh, Liddell. Then it was Rampage. Then it was Forrest. And then it was Rashad. And then it was Leoto, And then it was Shogun. And then, you know, the, the rest is history. Like, it's always been a turbulent division. Do you think... Would you say that's been a good thing? Or do you think it would be better if there's a healthy
1: consistent champion defending it well it's always better if there's a healthier champion defending it mm-hmm. but what 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 like um yeah there's always it's always better when when there's
0: health of course exactly like you know we've seen like we the problem with shogun was like shogun like when he won the belt like the you were there like you saw him beat well be hold
1: old. on think that john jones isn't considered a healthy fighter
0: i think he's healthy it's just when he's he's healthy but it's just when he's disciplined you know as i said you know aside from the the transgressions outside you know when he, and when he's outside of fighting i feel that the the 205 division is kind of empty so to say if you know what i mean it, it's missing it's it's true like ruler in a sense like you know we have at uh, one at uh one at uh, like at uh what's the word i'm looking for it's like a middleweight now we have adesanya and you know hopefully he's healthy.
1: yeah i see what you're saying absolutely i mean listen there was a little bit of an issue at 185 Mm -hmm. um at 185 because you know robert whitaker was the champion and robert whitaker has a hard John yes. Jones doesn't have a hard time staying healthy. He just has a hard time staying out of trouble. But I don't think that he's been in that much trouble as of lately. No, you know, very quiet. I What's think- actually interesting is, and I wanted to bring this up, was John Jones and controversy uh, have a hard time staying apart from each other. Now, John Jones has been getting attacked on social media by a guy named Frank Lester, who's a professional MMA fighter and coach or a former MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. And basically he was a member of the Jackson Wink camp as a coach and would help out John Jones. And apparently he had been screwed out of something like 13 grand or whatever it was. And, you know, that's, that's like kind of, of a downer to hear because you do know like how much uh, attention the champions of a gym typically get. And, you know, I wouldn't say that Jackson and wink is world renowned as they, as they used to be. And there have been a lot of star guys coming and going from that place. And a lot of the ones that left don't really have the most positive things to say about it. And so, you know, I was a little bit disappointed to see that. And, you know, obviously, John Jones gave gave a few shots at Frank Lester that he is a drug problem and whatever it is. So got a little hot and heavy and, and controversial, which, you know, kind of just sucked because it just seems like anything that John Jones is involved with, he's getting dragged down either way. Um, but you know, Diego Sanchez went on, on, uh, on to that post that Frank Lester posted and said like, dude, I made that gym on and popping because of winning the ultimate fighter one. And then like, once they saw new blood come in after I had helped mentor them and coach them, they just like threw me away because I didn't have as much value. And, you know, I believe that Donald Cerrone felt the same way when Donald was basically Probably showing up to Jackson's to get some good sparring in and besides that just built his own team at the BMF Ranch and had his own coaches and had his own team there. So I guess, you know, Wink was kind of offended by it because I believe that of the problem, it's not Jackson, it's more uh, Winklejohn, Mike Winklejohn, I believe. Yeah, even Donald
0: said that. He's like, it's not Greg Jackson, it's more Wink that's controlling
1: everything. Exactly. So basically when, you know, Donald would drop in for some good sparring, uh, eventually he found out that Mike Perry was going to be there. And because Mike Perry was actually training there full time and at the time was like the new, the next best thing, they they fucking chose to corner him. And Cerrone was kind of like, okay, like I thought this would have been like a conversation. Instead, like I have to find out like this or You're just going to be blunt about it. I just thought that there was a lot of disloyalty. And I just thought that once they saw that they weren't going to make as much coin off of Donald Cerrone, that they were just going to move on from him. And I know that that's business, but those guys gave their fucking heart and soul to that camp. So when I hear things like this, it kind of, kind of rubs me the wrong way. And it kind of makes you feel like, you know, you don't even want, you you know, not only do you maybe want John to lose to humble John, but maybe you just want that team as a whole to get humbled. But you know what the problem is, is that Dominic Reyes, in my opinion, is just not the right opponent. I look at him and I I just don't see him as that likable character. I don't see him as that guy that you're, I don't know. I just don't see him as that guy you're looking up to that people want to role model. And maybe I don't know him personally, but you just look at these characters that we have in MMA. It's similar to WWE and we all have people that we look up to. And I just don't know how many folks are looking at this guy and they're like, yo, I want him to be my next champ.
0: Yeah, like, I, lo- I, like, I, like, I respect Dominic for what he's done. I'll never discredit a fighter. But I, as you, I don't genuinely like him. Like, there's just something that really rubs me off in the wrong way. You know, look, he makes millions. You know, I'm, a, I'm an average dope. But I, I, there's just something about his personality. When I hear him talk, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, as you said, to put it politely, he, he's like a typical pompous, uh, pompous jock or, like, those guys that we went to camp with, you know, that thought they were the big shots, you know, like, whenever – and even when we tried to be chill at them, they'd always brush you off thinking they're the best. And, you know, that's just what Dom reminds me of. So, it's uh, – I think the guy that, you know, would humble John would be either, as I said, Rumble or Stipe, as crazy as it sounds. Because, you know, Rumble has that puncher's chance. But, man, Rumble, like, that's the one fight I wish we could have seen back in 2015. It's like – it's that's like – I really feel we were robbed. All right, so we have to make a small second part here for those who are going to be listening to it. Sorry for the cutout there, Adam. You know how free technology is. Sometimes it doesn't work to its perfection.
1: Yeah, that's okay. I don't mind.
0: All right, so uh, just to recap, you know, before the cutoff happened, um, I said I felt we were robbed of that UFC 187 main event, which was supposed to be Rumble versus John. And how do you think – do you think you feel – redeeming if we got that matchup again finally even though rumble's been out of this
1: game for two years or so well i think that considering the fact that rumble has kept a lot of strength and size on um and that was always part of his game plan in terms of his knockout power and explosiveness uh i don't think that rumble has fallen off too much however i do think that i would like to see rumble fight somebody just so that we kind of get a better view of it just before jumping into it and I think that John would do the exact same thing John Jones. So, you know, I I definitely feel like we got robbed at the time for UFC 187 for sure and certainly I would like to see the fight again. It's just I'm looking at Rumble and I don't see how he's making 205 and I just, you know, I'm looking at John's career and he's kind of like, why do I have to move up? Like I don't I don't really see why I have to now we are in the era where people are jumping uh, weight classes and this and that. And yeah, it is kind of crazy seeing a 155 or jump to 170 or a, a featherweight jumping to 170. But I do think that jump from 205 to heavyweight is, is still a big jump. I mean, like, dude, uh, yeah, that's why people are saying they'd like to fight. They'd like to see John Jones fight uh, DC or Stepe in heavyweight. Let's you say those are two small heavyweights, if you think about it. Like, you're not talking about him fighting Francis Ngannou. You know, people aren't talking about him fighting, uh, I don't know, who else, fucking Derek Lewis. He's a massive guy. I think that Jones would beat him, though. But you know what I'm saying? Like, these are smaller-esque heavyweights. More mobile. Jones fair against somebody like Ningano, you know, or Cain Velasquez when he was in his prime. It's tough. It's very
0: true. It was very, once upon a time, the heavyweight division had some pretty good talent, even though that's like, that's what we call the dinosaur division, because a lot of the guys up there have been there. They have the mileage on their careers. For sure. But there is an influx of young talent we're seeing. Absolutely.
1: If I'm Anthony Johnson, I want to see Anthony Johnson make his UFC debut against uh, Junior Dos Santos at heavyweight, get him right in there with a boxer, see what he's got. And, uh, you know, John Jones wants to step up to the plate. There are plenty of guys that he could have a warm-up fight with. Maybe even Derek Lewis. That would be a cool warm-up fight. And uh, go from there. But future is bright for any of these guys. Because the thing is, when you're a guy like Rumble and you have knockout power, you step away for two years, people still want to see you scrap. And John Jones, people always want to see somebody move up a weight class and do the unthinkable. And I think that John Jones has a very high chance of breaking pay-per-views uh, by moving up to heavyweight, however, I just don't see him thinking that he has to do it to s- solidify his legacy. Exactly. I mean,
0: I always like to say it. I said we know Connor is a needle mover. We know Nate Diaz is now a needle mover after what what he did in his comeback. We now we can even say Jorge Masvidal is one. But John is the one that I like to say is like that silent. Godfather, as you can say, the and I always say, like I was like I always say it to those, to whether you love him or hate him, John, the UFC is always better when John Jones is fighting in the cage. Whether you want to cheer him, whether you want to boo him, he makes fights what they are. He's like he he's like he's basically the outlier of MMA. As 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 the NBA has their uh, has Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, rest in peace to the to a legend there. You know, John is that John is what is that kind of star for the, for the UFC?
1: Yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. It's hard for me to say, bro. I don't really, I don't really think so. I don't think that anybody could. I I, I really think that like, I don't think that John Jones is on that level. I think that Anderson Silva is, I think that George St. Pierre is. Um, you know, like guys, not even like Chuck Liddell and Tito, man, I don't even, I don't even, just because they just didn't go away. Mm -hmm. I think they painted their legacy, but like guys like Anderson, GSP, you know, they were to pass. That'd be a big deal. Uh, I just don't see John Jones right now. Like, yeah, it would be a shock to the MMA community, but like, uh, you know, not, well, you know what, now that UFC is on ESPN, you never really know. But at the end of the day, like, who really gives a shit who would get shocked? And, you know, the only people that are really affected are the families.
0: Exactly. But, you know, like, it's, but it's just crazy the, the time we're in. As you said, you know, the last time you came on, we spoke about the anti-hero era. And I think yes. – and, and yes. I, And I couldn't believe, agree with you more, man. Like, when they yes. made that BMF, t- that BMF title, and now you've got, like, these other guys coming in. Like, like let's be honest the anti-hero era so far has been more entertaining than the showman era, which lasted maybe for about
1: a year or two at max. What would be the showman era?
0: When Connor came in, when Connor was like, well,
1: I don't know about that one. That was, those were fucking epic, man. I don't think that you could imitate to that. You know, that Floyd McGregor in Toronto was unbelievable. I don't think that you could replicate that. I see what you're saying. However, um, mcgregor's going to play in the saga of the anti-hero, you know. And in a way even Khabib is an anti-hero, not not because of anything that he's a bad guy. It's more so at the fact that just the demeanor being the Russian, you know, fighting for an American company. That that's just kind of the way I view it and I I think that it still is the uh The the year of the anti-hero, Jorge Masvidal, is going to fight Usman. Even Usman has a side to him. All of these guys, you know, they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, a little bit of a, a swag to them. They have a little bit of a heel to them. I'm happy with this. I think that we're going to have a lot of good fights, and I think that we still are in the showmanship era. I just think that guys are getting a little bit grittier and a little less flashy with the trash talk.
0: So we've been, definitely seen like a shift where they could mold the two together into an artwork that people want to see. They want to pay to watch this. That's, and I see what you're saying with that. And now even, and as you said, it's even crazy with Tony and Khabib coming up too, which is going to be insane. You know, this is, it's like the fifth time they try to make this fight happen. What are you feeling for that fight when it finally happens? Say that one more time, Andy, you good. cut out. Yeah. So what are you feeling for Tony and
1: Khabib when it finally happens, which is the ultimate. Oh, man, what a good fight. Honestly, like uh I heard some stupid rumblings that uh some people weren't sure if the fight was official. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I heard on like Joe Rogan's podcast that some people were like, yeah, man, like they're talking about him fighting McGregor. And they were like, what are you talking about? Like. Tony's training for the fight right now. It was like something very stupid. Listen, man, I think that Tony Ferguson is going gonna, is, is gonna to come out there and fucking put on a show. I think that you're going to see something really exciting out of Tony Ferguson. I have a good feeling about it. And I just think that Dana White planting that seed about McGregor already and Khabib being like, I'm not fighting this putz and I don't want anything to do with it. I think that it's rubbing him the wrong way because he's like, fuck, man, I'm going to get fucked by the man. And they're going to make me fight somebody who doesn't deserve it. And, you know, it's just tricky. And I think with that already on his plate and then Tony Ferguson, it's a little bit tough. And believe it. Believe me. They would love to see Tony Ferguson versus uh, McGregor. They would love to. Yeah, there's a lot of money in Khabib. But let me tell you something. There are a lot of people that watch that fight that don't want to see that fight again.
0: Exactly. I wouldn't say I'm, I would say I'm one of them too, to be honest, because you know what
1: happened for watching Tony Ferguson, pardon? And Connor, you'd rather watch Connor and Ferguson. I
0: want to see that fight because I, cause I know that- Tony,
1: there's a history with those two, because
0: remember Tony's agent, what was Connor's agent?
1: Yes. So yeah, that's true
0: there's that history there there's a lot to to like about what the future holds and what we can uh, fantasize and what Dana makes it's a very good time to be uh, a fan right now and then you have 1FC supposedly trying to make their expansion into uh, into the US now which is going to be big uh, you're going you see Bellator you know as you said you like Bellator more because of how Scott Coker is a fighters promoter he cares about his his assets and he sees the fighters as an asset, just not
1: as a cash cow. Well, listen, I like Dana White a lot. I think Dana White is the man. I just think that if I were to work for a company and you were to ask me if I'd rather make a hundred grand from Scott Coker or Dana White, I feel like it'd be a lot easier making it working for uh, Scott Coker. And, you know, one championship breaking into the States, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, listen, if they're going to start breaking out and, and, fu- and signing American fighters, yeah, that's really fucking exciting. But let me tell you something. It's an amazing experience to be able to fight for a promotion that will fly you across the world and put on a show for fans and get paid good money for it. I mean, living in, in, the, in the U.S. or Canada and then having to go to the Philippines to fight somebody is an amazing experience and, you know, it's like almost even win or lose, like you get to travel the fucking world doing it and they're obviously not a struggling company. So I think that it is a fantastic uh, thing to expand into the States. However, Bellator, you know, the way that some of their stadiums that they occupy and this and that and the Mohegan Sun and still fighting on the reserves and stuff, what kind of venues is one, are one championship going to host in?
0: That's the question, because the UFC also does have a stake and claim in the monopoly. As I had a one of my former guests I had was telling me, he's like, watch one FC try to get in and the UFC is going to use their rat ways just to try to, like, stifle them from even trying to succeed like Pride did when Pride tried to uh, come into the U.S. Now, don't get me wrong. Pride was uh, the premier organization at the time, but they already had so many skeletons in their closet that were being exposed. And it kind of let the timing of everything. Then just kind of led to the foreseeable demise. But one's different. One is different. But as I said, as you said, business it can be can get pretty gray
1: at times with when these when these promotions compete with each other. Well, yeah, absolutely. I do think that the UFC would probably book an event on the same night and probably would make it uh, an important fight at that, just to spite one championship. Um, because in a way like one championship is being a bit, um, a bit too greedy because they already do occupy a pretty good part of the world in terms of Asia. Now is the market, uh, do people really give a shit if you dominate, uh, Asia versus, uh, North America? Well, to North Americans, uh, no, it's more important to take over their own continent. So, I understand why they would want to come here and do that. However, I do think it is a bit greedy. And I don't really know how they will uh, succeed in expanding. I just think that they already have a lot of divisions to take over on that part of the world, on the east side of the world. And I just think that coming over here, uh, west, I see, it's, I see a lot of obstacles and challenges.
0: Yeah, it makes, very, makes total sense. There's, there's, a, they, they, there's already the monopolies already set up they got the lawyer, they got all like the lawyers, down to the accountants, you name it, those kind of num- those numbers at crunchers and experts. So it's going to definitely be interesting to see what happens and when and if it
1: happens, but yeah. I like think- I don't see for example why I don't see for example why uh, one championship maybe they already have, but like why they don't try to break into like Africa or try to break into uh, Dubai or try to break into Russia or things like that. Like, I don't understand why they don't try to conquer their whole East side. Like, why don't they fucking host an event in Australia? You know and what I mean? I agree. They I have, they have there's so they're... much to expand on that side of the world. And I just think when they're, when they're looking into coming to the States, I'm like, all right, man, like now you get a little greedy because you know, you got to get in line because you got promotions like Bellator and professional fight league, that are fucking paying their asses off to get their TV deals and their exposure to even fucking be in the, in, in the same sentence as the UFC.
0: Very true. Very true. And uh, and you know one does have some fighters, you know they have Eddie Alvarez, they have Mighty Mouth, they have they have uh they have Sage Northcutt if he even fights again
1: because he took Listen, a- You're naming all of the former UFC stars. They have way fucking better fighters than that that nobody heard of don't get me wrong but the thing is is that obviously you need to be able to build a relationship with that fighter and it's hard to maybe when there's no uh you know when language is an issue like for example manny pacquiao like manny pacquiao spoke so well to the american fans because he was fighting in the states for so long and he did make a little bit of an effort to speak english and whatever it is However, like, you're telling me that if Manny Pacquiao wasn't completely bilingual, he would be an even fucking bigger star? He would be everywhere. Exactly. That's just my opinion. I could be, and I'm still completely wrong because he is one of the most popular athletes in the world. But, you know, everybody knows that one of the greatest gifts you could have is, you know, being able to speak in multiple languages. Exactly.
0: Like, I have, it's interesting. Like, I have Sunday, hopefully, I think it's going to happen. I'm 90% sure Tan Lee, he's a competitor in 1FC. He was on, as you he, as he said at your house, uh, he was on uh, Tough and Deordano White's Contender Series. And he's going to talk to me about, you know, what it's like fighting for one and, you know, like the market, the landscape there. That's something I definitely am going to pick his brain about. For and sure. And I'm excited because he's seen both sides. He was competing on on the North American side. Now he's in Asia. So it's going to be interesting to really hear what he has to say about um, about what it's like going from one spectrum to the other.
1: Honestly, I'm sure that one championship is a great place to fight for. I mean, listen, you get to travel to beautiful places in the world. They're affordable where you can extend your trips afterwards and have an experience of a lifetime out there. It uh, doesn't matter where you are. All of the places that they fight out of are fantastic cities. And not only that, the fans appreciate fighting. And they appreciate fighting, even if they don't even know who the hell is who. They, you know, they just love entertainment out there. And they have a true appreciation for it, especially fighting. So it's a great experience. I mean, quite honestly, I think the one championship is one of the more appealing promotions uh, to fight in. And from experience, knowing uh, professional fighters, a lot of these guys actually do better when they go across the world and fight in front of people that they have no idea who they're fighting in front of. Mm-hmm. And even if they lose, they get to go and travel afterwards in these countries. You know, you have a fight in, in, in Morocco. When are you just saying, pointing spinning the globe and saying, I'm going to go to Morocco? But when you have an experience like this, it's unmatchable. That's what makes one championship appealing. Exactly. I definitely agree. So it's, I'm really
0: excited to get Tan on. You know, as I said, I'm really happy I got to get you on tonight because it's like you're the the brendan you're like the brendan Shaw to my rogan in a sense you know you've been on the fight game but the difference is i find you have your you have your are a great way of expressing your own opinion you don't flip-flop you stick to your guns and i like that
1: well the difference between me and brendan Shaw is is that i actually know how to tell jokes <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true. You have some pretty epic one-liners. I'm not going to lie. Whenever I'm at your house like, for, to watch the fights, there's been times where you just like, drop like these A-bombs that are like silent, and then when you hear them, you get the joke, and, I'm, and, I'm on, and uh, you're, you're on the floor after, like with the Super Bowl. I can't remember what it was, but man, like, you had some good ones on Sunday.
1: Yeah, well, you got to be quick on your feet.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, what's your prediction for the main and co-main on Saturday?
1: What's your, what are you feeling? Um, I'm going to go John Jones. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go John Jones and Shevchenko decision. I agree. And I'm on the same
0: boat as you. I see John taking a unanimous, not a split. And I see uh, Shevchenko taking a unanimous 50 to 45. Agreed. All right. Well, Adam, once again, thanks for coming on. As I said, with this, I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to have to edit the first episode from the cutoff, but just I'll make it part one, part two, but look, glad to get you on as always, you know, to get your your feel of it. Cause you are, uh, you are a veteran
1: and uh, we'll, we'll do this soon, hopefully in person next time with Cohen. Thanks a lot, Andy. It's always a pleasure to be on the show and uh, keep going. It's going to be a massive season for season two for Andy beyond the fight Make sure to tune in on Spotify, iTunes, whatever it is, and just make sure that you give these podcasts a full listen because there's a a lot of hard work and preparation put into these things. And podcasting is free, and everybody is free to express their opinions. And Andy would love to have you on the show as long as you have something positive to say.
0: Exactly. And as I said, if you want to connect with Adam, on uh, Instagram, it's Adam Kaplan thirteen for boxing at Spartan Fitness. Uh, his Twitter is Adam Kaplan thirteen as well. I don't know if he's on it as much, and his Facebook is Adam Kaplan. So if you're looking to get in shape, learn some conditioning, and how to throw some mitts, uh, Adam is the guy to connect with, especially in the West Island where he's going to be taking
1: over. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much, Andy. And I and I know that also you're going to have the guys on from Three Sixty Punch and. Those guys have a very kick-ass facility going on right now, with with a lot of high-intensity classes, and those guys are going to be a riot to have on your show. So, you know, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pr- I have, I'm proud to work alongside those guys in, in, in the sense of, you know, being in being par- a part of the good guys in the industry, and uh, you're going to have a good a good time with those guys on the podcast. And one day you're going to be seeing Xavier in the UFC or one championship. You can guarantee that.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's a killer, man. I'm excited. So Adam, take it easy and uh, we'll speak soon. All right. Peace.